I have a friend whose father worked for the Forest Service. We found Skookum Lake from one of his maps. This was a primitive campsite just north of Bagby Hot Springs. As soon as we arrived, we set up camp and went for a long hike up Thunder Mount after the hike, the sun was beginning to set. All four of us were beat, so we got ready for bed. No drinking, no drugs, no funny stuff. Exhausted, I fell asleep as soon as I hit my mummy bag. Sometime during the night, I heard some noises, not your usual nighttime forest noises. I heard large rocks being thrown down the ridge, banging off the other rocks on the way down. And from the hike earlier in day, I noticed a large pile of boulders near the top of the ridge. It sounded like something was hunting for something. I sat up in my tent 100% alert. I wasn't dreaming. I tried to wake up my friends, but was frozen stiff. I was surprised no one else woke up. Finally I was asleep, only to be awakened to footsteps outside our camp. It didn't sound like a bear, because the footsteps were spaced apart longer than a four-legged animal. I could not talk, so I tried to throw my socks at my friends. Nothing at all. I forced myself to sleep. And the next day I only asked if anyone else woke up last night to any loud noises. No one did, so I never mentioned the rocks and footsteps. There were no footprints anywhere. We didn't like all the mosquitoes, so we left Skookum Lake for another camp. It won't until a few years later when I read about other incidents at Skookum. That's why I think it may have been the Sasquatch. Back in 1995 my ex and I were driving from Langley AFB Virginia to Columbus, Ohio. We were on 33 between Harrisonburg, Virginia and Elkins, West Virginia. Very Appalachia if you know what I mean. To our right just off the highway and in the forest there was something very large and gray moving parallel to us. We only saw it for a moment as I was probably doing 80 miles per hour. We didn't get a good look at it because it was obscured by the trees and I was speeding. It looked like the side of an elephant, no head, just this big, gray body walking. I said to my ex-wife, did you see that? She replied, WTF was that. We were both shocked. We later joked it was Baby the Dinosaur because we were kids from the 80s. I've seen strange things before and since, but nothing tops that. I haven't thought about it in probably 10 years, but was talking to my wife and son this morning about weird things, and it came up. I googled West Virginia cryptids and found the Grafton monster. My memory is fuzzy, but this is close to what I saw. That's it, that's the tale, just wanted to share. The allure of the forbidden always held a peculiar fascination for me. When I embarked on a solo hiking trip deep into the heart of the vast national forest, I couldn't resist the temptation to explore the uncharted territory that locals had long warned me about. This area, hidden from the prying eyes of tourists and authorities, was rumored to be cursed, a place where ancient legends whispered secrets of unspeakable horrors. As I ventured further from the well-trodden paths, the forest became denser and more foreboding. The gnarled branches of ancient trees seemed to claw at the sky, casting eerie shadows that danced like malevolent spirits. 
The oppressive silence pressed in around me, broken only by the occasional rustle of leaves or the distant hoot of an owl. The trees began to thin, revealing a desolate clearing in the heart of the forest. Here, the sunlight struggled to penetrate the canopy, casting a feeble glow that only served to enhance the eerie ambience. Amidst the tall, moss-covered rocks, I spotted an enormous boulder that beckoned me closer. It was beneath this colossal stone that I stumbled upon something that defied reason, a nightmarish tableau that would haunt my dreams for years to come. There, nestled beneath the rock's imposing shadow, lay the desiccated remains of a creature that could only be described as colossal. The partially buried corpse was massive, with elongated limbs that stretched outwards as if in defiance of death itself. The skeletal structure was unlike anything I had ever encountered, bearing no resemblance to the fauna of our modern world. The bones were aged and yellowed with time, hinting at an existence that spanned millennia. My heart pounded in my chest as I dared to get closer, my trembling hands reaching out to touch the ancient remains. But as I examined the creature more closely, an unthinkable terror gripped me with icy fingers the colossal carcass had moved. Panic seized my senses as the bones shifted and creaked, sinews and tendons that should have long turned to dust strained and flexed. The ancient giant, or whatever abomination it was, stirred beneath the weight of time. In that horrifying moment, the very laws of nature seemed to unravel. Without a second thought, I turned and fled, my footsteps echoing through the chilling silence. The dense forest closed in around me like a suffocating shroud, and my heart pounded a desperate rhythm in my chest. Fear and disbelief warred within me as I pushed myself to run faster and farther. Finally, I burst out of the forbidding part of the forest, back into the relative safety of the more familiar trails. Gasping for breath, I collapsed onto a mossy knoll, my mind reeling with the magnitude of what I had witnessed. What had I stumbled upon in that forbidden clearing? Was it an ancient giant, a Nephilim, or something even more nightmarish? Questions swirled through my thoughts, and I couldn't help but wonder if the legends and whispers of the cursed forest held more truth than anyone could have ever imagined. What did I just witness, and what unspeakable horrors lay hidden beneath the ancient trees of the National Forest? In April 2011, a friend and I were stargazing on my roof on a dry clear night in New Jersey. We were observing the Lyrid's meteor shower that wasn't producing as many shooting stars as we had hoped. But we stayed up there, intensely focused on the sky to see one every few minutes. After a couple hours of this, we caught a bright light in our peripherals. We turn around and see what looks like a bright blue-white lead flashlight traveling in the forest behind the house. At first instinct we thought it was the police with a flashlight chasing someone. But then we realized that the light was up in the treetops, weaving through the canopy. All we could say is, WTF, is that, over and over again as it got closer to us. It was traveling along the direction of the river behind our house and seemed to notice us because as it passed the back of my house, it slowed to a gentle stop, then took a 90-degree turn onto the clearing of our property about 40 feet from us coming straight towards us, as if it had noticed us and wanted to check us out. This is when we got our first really good look at it, 
It was a perfectly defined glowing sphere of light, the size of a basketball with what seemed like churning flowing plasma inside. Icy blue-white hue emitting absolutely no sound at all. We started screaming at this point. As it approached, it moved very slowly compared to the pace it had traveling through the trees. It seemed almost cautious in its movement. It's weird, but you could sense some form of intention intelligence in its movement. We were horrified because we knew nothing could explain what we were seeing. And we weren't about to F around and find out by letting it get any closer. We scrambled off the roof and ran inside, hiding under a blanket like scared little children, even though we were in our late teens. We didn't talk about it much after that because we just couldn't explain it. About a year later, one of my neighbors is banging on my door telling me to let him in. He told me that him and a friend were down by the river in that same patch of woods, and were chased by a floating silent light ball. This freaked me out because I knew he was telling the truth. I had never told him the story of my encounter. I'm a trucker by the name of Jack. I've driven through many a desolate stretch of road, passing by endless miles of nothingness. The solitude doesn't bother me. In fact, I kind of like it. But there's this one memory. This one particular drive through the middle of nowhere Colorado that still sends a chill down my spine. There wasn't much around. Just barren landscapes, the open road stretching out in front of me, and my truck humming along to the rhythm of the highway. It was the only road visible on my map, and it was almost eerily devoid of human touch. But then, up ahead in the horizon, probably about a half mile away from the road, I spotted an unusual cluster of houses or buildings. In a place so desolate, so untouched by civilization, the sight of these structures seemed utterly out of place. Intrigued, I kept my eyes on them as I approached, curiosity piqued by the incongruity of it all. As I drove past, I got a clearer view. The houses were set up in a circle, forming a sort of perimeter around an open area. What was more unsettling, though, were the people I saw walking around in the center. They were all donned in black robes, their faces hidden from view, gathering in a tight circle. Then, out of nowhere, three black SUVs appeared. They drove across the barren landscape, plumes of dust rising in their wake, heading directly towards the group. A sense of unease crept over me, a cold shiver snaking down my spine as I watched the scene unfold. Something about it felt wrong, like I was inadvertently witnessing something I shouldn't. I remember wishing I had the time to stick around, to see what was really going on. But duty called. I had a schedule to keep, deliveries to make. So I kept driving, leaving the strange sight behind me. In the rearview mirror, the sight of the robed figures and black SUVs slowly faded into the vast Colorado landscape. I often find myself mulling over that sight, wondering what was happening back there. It seemed like something out of a cult movie, a secret meeting in the middle of nowhere. But I guess, I'll never know for sure. All I have is this unsettling memory and a story that sounds too strange to be true. I've seen many odd things during my years on the road, but that eerie sight in Colorado remains the most inexplicable of them all.
Okay, so me and one of my friends were joking around last night in the woods, as we usually do because it's fun just to chill it's calming. But basically, we have been these woods about a good 100 times. I know it like the back of my hand. We were coming back, and it's like 12.40 at this point, we went out at like 11.30. As we are about to leave the woods, we hear a loud ass whistle right at us. It wasn't bird-like. I've heard countless birds, and it wasn't near that. It sounded human. And my brain became uneasy, and we ran a good mile I'd say looking every direction seeing if anything was there. Mind you, I lick for around 40 minutes from the closest town, and I live in a very small community. So it's very unlikely that it was another person. I only had my lighter that I carry no flashlights or anything so we were pretty freaked. Any ideas what we heard? An old friend of mine had a canine search and rescue operation and had several dogs that had different skills. He had dogs that were trained for different things. One to search for human remains. One that was trained to search for live survivors, including through the rubble of accident or disaster sites. And even a little dog that could detect bed bugs. I would sometimes help in the training of the dogs by hiding in the woods or in hard to reach areas, and I loved doing it. It's amazing to see these incredible animals working. Plus I loved them, I sat with them a lot when he was out searching in different parts of the country for actual victims. One afternoon, we were walking through the park with the cadaver dog, a beautiful German shepherd who was the face of the company, not working, but we did have our canine search and rescue attire on when a man approached. He stopped us to ask if he could pet her, which is not uncommon, and she was super friendly and sweet, so we said of course. The weird thing is that the moment he stopped, the dog immediately gave her signal and laid down right by his feet. My friend and I looked at each other almost in horror because the dog was signaling that she detected human remains. She was the most experienced of all the dogs and would not have made a mistake. It was clearly her signal. It spooked us both so much that we cut the conversation short and left quickly. To this day, we have no idea what that was about. I should also add that she was trained to detect human remains. She was taught not to alert on animal remains. I still think about that day a lot. After posting it in the other sub, there have been a lot of theories from fellow Redditors. Everything from mortician to rotting toes, or even a dead man's shoes, but none of those reasons would have caused this response, and I honestly still have no idea and neither does my friend who is a professional. I think seeing him spooked was even more unnerving. He's an army vet that's been in combat, an EMT, and a firefighter and has seen some shit. So he's pretty calm in every situation. I experienced something weird when I served as in military police at the Yakima Training Center 9293. It was a long time ago, and I will try to share the story with as many important details and as few embellishments as possible. But as we all know, time is the enemy of human memory. I was on duty on a cold December night in Yakima, Washington. Our base at the time was the second largest training area in the US, and its hundreds of square miles of semi-desert area 
is ideal for all kinds of military training. On this night however there was no training and downrange was devoid of all military personnel, as I confirmed later. I was working the 6P6 a shift, and I left my station to drive down Cold Creek Road, the main access road to the training area. Approximately 8 miles away, at the end of the paved road, is a research station or listening outpost that has the largest radio dish I have ever seen. At this installation, within our installation, security is provided by DOD police officers, and our SOP was to drop in once a shift. To check in with these police officers to ensure everything was running smoothly. Now, my duty at YTC was pretty boring as it only housed a hundred soldiers permanently, and things only picked up when large units would visit to hold training. So I can only imagine how bored out of their minds those Dodd police officers were working in a secured installation within a secured installation. At any rate, I left my station station at approximately 2 AM. If memory serves, and I set out to check on the DOD research station. Though it had been snowing on and off all day, it was not snowing at the time I headed out. But there was a lot of snow on the road. Having been born and raised in Houston, Texas I was a novice driving in the snow, so I drove very slowly. Which I didn't mind because I had all night or morning to get there and back. I was driving a Jeep Cherokee that had been outfitted with a complete police package, cage, bubble gum, or takedown lights, bumper bars, the whole shebang. I slowly made my way down the road, listening to Jodsai on the radio, and generally thinking about my plans to leave the army. When my ETS day finally arrived in September, basically there are two types of people who are in the army, lifers and people who cannot wait to get out. I was firmly within the camp of the latter. I was about halfway to the research station when the radio began to annoyingly lose reception. As I fidgeted with the radio, my vehicle was lit up by a bright light from above. I brought the vehicle to a complete stop and tried to look up through the windshield to see what the hell was spotlighting me. But to no avail, I reached for the door handle to step outside, but a cold chill ran down my spine and my instincts screamed not to open the door. Mind you, I was armed, locked and loaded, but still the fear made me hesitate. Those few seconds, then just as suddenly as it appeared the light flicked off. I slowly opened the door, poked my head out, and there was nothing hovering above me. Clearly shaken, I picked up the pace and made it out to the research station. I played it cool and asked the DOD officers, if they had seen anything show up on their camera, which is positioned two miles away from their location. They rewound the tape and nothing, except my lights coming down the road. I figured out that the incident occurred before I came into view of that camera. I returned to my station and made some calls. First call was our air traffic control, and they verified what I already knew that all aircraft were grounded due to the inclement weather. I double-checked with another call to our helicopter rescue crew on duty, and they confirmed they were grounded due to the weather. I then called range control, and they verified that there were no units or military maneuvers downrange. Considering that our airspace is restricted, I highly doubted it was a civilian aircraft that spot-lit me. After much thought I eliminated the possibility that it was a helicopter because everything was grounded. 
and even though I had been listening to the radio is was very low, and I would have heard the chopper blades. It wasn't a plane because of the reason of restricted airspace, and whatever spotlighted me was pacing my slow jaunt through the snow, and the light was directly over my vehicle, not coming in from the side, putting a 15-foot radius on the Jeep Cherokee. I know I did not hit my takedown lights because I looked down when I was spotlighted to see if I had done that exact thing and my panel was green. The buttons turn red when in use. Besides the lights are focused on the front of the vehicle, not in a 360 circle. I kept the incident to myself until the next night when a retired Air Force tech sergeant dropped by our station when I was on duty. After presenting his ID card he went on to say that last night, while he was on his way home, he saw some strange lights engaging in his words. Impossible maneuvers over our training area. He went on to say that after 25 years in the Air Force, he had never seen aircraft fly in that manner. We called a TC and again they stated no aircraft in the area last night. Considering that one has to go out of his way to get off the highway to drop by our station made me believe the guy was on the up and up. During the following week, I did some UFO research at our local library. Wish I had Google then and found out that Yakima had UFO sightings. Since 1947, a pilot reported seeing flying saucers while flying over Yakima. In the strictest sense of the word I did experience a UFO but what it was I have no idea. I checked the logs that night and I was able to confirm no lost time, so for sure no probing. I was left with a mystery that nags at me to this day. That's my story. A truly inexplicable incident occurred quite some time ago, shaking the peace of my tranquil surroundings. Nights were filled with the resounding barks of my beloved Labrador Retriever, echoing through the darkness. The neighbors attributed the commotion to the presence of coyotes in the area, as these cunning predators had been wreaking havoc, mercilessly preying on ducks, geese, chickens, and even feline companions. Countless cats mysteriously vanished, leaving behind a void in the hearts of their owners. After a particularly harrowing night, I ventured out to survey the aftermath. What I discovered chilled me to the bone, a peculiar sight etched into the landscape. In a roughly four-foot diameter, the grass lay flattened, crushed under an unseen force. Clusters of hair, torn from some unknown creature, were scattered around the area. These tufts of hair, varying in color from a light shade not quite blonde, not quite white astonished me. Some strands were as long as a horse's mane, reaching a foot in length. But it was not horse hair. No trace of equine presence could be found, for there were no horse tracks to be seen. Intrigued and disturbed, I carefully gathered the enigmatic hair, preserving it within an envelope, intending to send it for analysis. Once I locate it, I will gladly forward it to you, in hopes of unraveling the mystery of its origin. This unsettling incident transpired a mere 20 feet from the sanctuary of my front door in Cherry Grove, Oregon. Nestled in a wooded area on the eastern slopes of the coast range, my home has witnessed the passage of time for 47 years. Throughout my tenure, I have encountered various creatures that call this realm their home. Yet, the discovery of a solitary 5-inch panther track, 
a mere 30 feet from my back door, stands as a testament to the enigmatic nature that pervades these lands. So as a Marine, my first assignment took me to good old USA Jiangsen in Korea. It had a rich history, once serving as an Imperial Japanese Army base during a dark time when the Japanese were exerting their control over the Korean Peninsula. I recall seeing an Imperial Chrysanthemum still adorning the 8th Army HQ, reminding us of its past. However, there was a lesser-known corner of the base where a peculiar building stood, possibly a storage facility for the hospital or something of the sort. This place had towering walls that seemed to guard its secrets, and it had been rumored to be a special hospital during the Japanese occupation. There were countless stories circulating among staff duty officers about encountering eerie phenomena while conducting their checks. As for me, I was assigned to overnight guard duty at the United Nations Command HQ in Yongsen. About three to four years prior, a fellow NCO approached the guard, requested his weapon, and tragically took his own life in the gazebo located at the back of the headquarters. So, the building itself was equipped with automatic front doors and surveillance cameras that monitored the area outside the entrance. On one particular night, around 2 a.m., my friend and I noticed a dark, shadowy figure ascending the ramp towards the entrance, and our initial thought was, probably the sergeant of the guard just great. I stepped out of the guard post to brief him while my buddy stayed inside, keeping an eye on the camera feed. To our surprise, both the inner and outer automatic doors opened, but there was no one there. I thought to myself, ah, the SOG must be playing tricks on us. So I quickly stepped outside the building to investigate, but there was no sign of anyone. Puzzled, I returned inside and asked my friend where the person had gone. He gave me a bewildered look, and informed me that he had witnessed the figure entering the building. We discussed what had occurred and came to the chilling conclusion that it must have been the ghost of the NCO, making his phantom rounds as the SOG. From that point on, I adamantly refused to pull another night shift in that building. The unnerving experience had left an indelible mark on my psyche and I deemed it best to avoid any further encounters with the supernatural within those walls. On the evening of July 7, 2007, I was patrolling a swampy area in Lauderdale County, Mississippi as a police officer. The moon cast an eerie glow, creating an atmosphere of mystery. As I drove, my headlights caught two red dots reflecting back at me. Intrigued, I approached the source and discovered an unusual creature. It resembled an alligator, but with distinct legs and arms that ended in thumbs. The creature stood upright, just like a human, walking with a peculiar gait. The sighting lasted for about 20 seconds before it vanished into the darkness under the thick tree canopy. There were no nearby houses, and this location wasn't far from where several alligators had been spotted earlier that week. It was impossible to mistake this creature for any other animal. I immediately reported the incident to my supervisor, who was taken aback by my account. In the morning, a request was made for a helicopter equipped with thermal imaging devices, but our search yielded no results. 
Speculation arose that the creature I witnessed might be the Lizard Man, a figure intertwined with the legend of the Mothman. One of the earliest reported sightings of the Lizard Man came from an oil rig worker in Scarberry, West Virginia. According to local residents, there are caves in the nearby swamps where bodies were allegedly experimented on during World War II by Japanese scientists under Operation Paperclip. Some believe these experiments may have given rise to the existence of these lizard-like beings, but such claims remain speculative. There are other infamous cases, such as the Lizard Man of Scape Ore Swamp in South Carolina during the 1980s. A young man encountered a large humanoid lizard while dealing with car troubles by the roadside. The creature gave chase, leaving a lasting impression on the witness. Another account came from a hunter who claimed to have seen a seven-foot-tall lizard walking into the swamp, trying to make eye contact before disappearing into the water. This less-known encounter took place three years after the young man's incident, but the hunter's description matched the drawing of the creature made by the boy. Similar sightings of these creatures have been reported in various locations worldwide, including Central and South America, Africa, Australia, Japan, and China. Witnesses often describe them as bipedal reptiles with scales. Even Native American folklore tells tales of giant lizard-like monsters that prey on humans, particularly children. Some cultures revered lizard-like beings as gods, while others viewed them as savage man-eaters or demonic entities. Sheriff Billy Soley of Lauderdale County acknowledged that they haven't found concrete evidence to prove or disprove the creature's existence. However, they remain open to investigation. Local residents and those near the area continue their search, hoping to uncover any evidence that might shed light on these sightings. In conclusion, I would like to emphasize that there are numerous first-hand reports and encounters with these creatures. We must handle this information with care, ensuring it doesn't fall into the wrong hands or cause unnecessary panic. If you have any additional information, or have had a personal encounter with this creature, please reach out to me via email. This happened to myself and a close friend, both 23-year-old males, just last month. We decided to go on a two-night backpacking or camping trip in the Adirondack Mountains of New York. We are both very comfortable with nature and spend a lot of time camping, hunting, fishing, etc. We hiked about five miles into a small lake and set up camp on a small beach. This was not a heavily trafficked area and we did not expect to run into anyone. Our first night there as we were sitting around the fire, we saw a flashlight moving on the other side of the lake around 10.30. This was fairly unusual, however we did not think too much of it. But as time went on, this flashlight kept moving around the lake getting closer to our campsite. We kept discussing who could possibly be wandering around the woods in the middle of the night, and we did not particularly want an unwelcomed guest. Once it was clear that the person or people were heading for our campsite, we moved off into the woods nearby to see who wandered out. I took a small axe with me, and he had a .22 rifle. Now we weren't expecting trouble, and we certainly didn't want to make any, but we figured we might as well cover our bases. Now, the moment of truth, the flashlight comes near the light of our fire, 
and it is one man. He has a beard, and is probably in his mid-forties. The scary part was he was carrying what turned out to be a pump-action shotgun. He walked around the campsite a few times, and then proceeded to enter our tent. After rummaging around for a minute or so, he came out and started yelling, I know you're out there, why don't you come and say hello? My friend and I remained motionless under a hemlock tree about 50 yards away. That is when the man proceeded to fire his shotgun into the woods, not too far from where we were. He also swung his flashlight around several times. After what felt like hours, he grabbed my friend's backpack and a few articles of clothing we had drying off near the fire and threw them in to burn. My friend, who had trained the .22 at the man, asked me if he should shoot. I told him absolutely not, unless he spots us and starts to point the gun in our direction. Thankfully the man moved off from where he had come after a little while. We waited until his flashlight was on the other side of the lake, ran out, grabbed everything we could fit in my pack, and took off it was now around 2 or 3 am. We ran out the trail with flashlights, and made it back to my car as the sun was coming up. We immediately went to the police department and reported it, where we also spoke with some forest rangers. That was it, I haven't heard anything back from the police. It wasn't mysterious, however it creeped the hell out of both of us. This summer I was out in the dark canyon wilderness of Utah. After two weeks of driving and backpacking around the country alone, the plan was a seven-day trip, and after a few days of setbacks I was on my last night. By this time I was already a little scared of the dark, but that's just what happens when you are your only company for three weeks. Anyway on the sixth day I found an awesome elk antler, and put it on my shoulders about a mile into the day's hike. As anyone who has poorly packed a pack will attest just slapping 15 pounds on the top of your pack is a bad idea. About halfway through my planned death march my hip was getting sore, and I blew through my water. I decided that I would stop early and get some water. Luckily I found a few puddles in a dreish riverbed and made camp. I started boiling some water when it struck me. If there's skanky water here there may be good water upstream. So up I went upstream. Just as the canyon boxed out a little spring filled the bed with deliciously cold refreshing water. I drank on my hands and knees before realizing I didn't bring my water bottles. Whatever I hiked the half mile or so back to the camp and grabbed them. This is where it gets weird. On my trip back up, I kept feeling really vulnerable and uncomfortable. Every little rustle in the bushes set me off. I could hear birds calling in the distance that set me off. I kept looking for something following me. I can only describe my emotion as pure terror. It got to the point where I picked up a branch in the just-in-case a cougar tried to attack me. I still kept telling myself that it was just paranoia, and I'm fine, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. I finally got to the water and filled up my camelback and bottle, constantly looking over my shoulder. The feeling of unease was still with me when I headed back down the gulch. There I came upon a fresh mountain lion print placed directly between two that I made on the way up. It's one thing to think that your fears are unfounded paranoia, it's much much worse to know they are true.